please be advised. Spoiler alert episode. Spoiler. Please be advised. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. To, to the Spider-Man Spoiler Alert episode... 50. 58. 58 spoilers. Damn. That's a lot. That is a lot of spoiler apps. 377 regular episodes. Then, That's uh, a lot. Yeah, then just 58 spoilers. You know. guys must be old. We are. We are. We are. Yeah. We are. We're each Kinda. coming up on mm, 80. Yeah. We've been doing this yeah. show since the One, 20s. It's been fantastic. Yep. It's four a year we've been doing. So. <laughs> there weren't even microphones. I yeah. know. It was nuts. It was all teletype when yep. we first started doing the first one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is a, just to let everybody know what a spoiler up is, if you're new to the program, um, we're going to go into the whole, everything with the Spider-Man movie. The stingers, ending, stingers, everything. everything. So if you haven't seen it, hit pause, go watch it, and then come back. With mm-hmm. great spoilers comes great responsibility. That's exactly. absolutely correct, sir. <laughs> Outstanding. Spider-Man so. reference right out of the gate, folks. <laughs> this episode's going to be hot. Well, let's introduce our let's guest. Let's introduce our guest. First-time yes. guest. First-time guest, and uh, brought to us from uh, Jeff Fox, our uh, Uber producer of podcasts. Well, that sounds like he works for the rideshare company. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is no, not, he does in, this, not. in this climate right now, we no. should <laughs> no, and uh, these is uh, two gentlemen from the Blast Off Comics podcast, Scott Tipton and Judd Myers, ladies and gentlemen. Outstanding. So, uh, gentlemen, tell us a little bit about the podcast and everything you're doing, and you have a store. And Yeah, yeah, we have a store in North Hollywood um, in the Arts District there on Lancashire and Magnolia. Um, and Which, our- I got to say... That's that area is fantastic. It is. When I first moved to Los Angeles over 20 years ago, I lived on Lancashire and Morrison, mm-hmm. and the, none yeah, yeah, of yeah. that was yeah. there. <laughs> very different. None, yeah, it was very different. So was Pitfire even there? No, no. Pitfire hadn't been <laughs> no. there. The Haha ha Cafe was a Mexican restaurant. It hadn't become a comedy club yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. And there was mattress stores. Yeah, things and, and, have changed. And, and, things have changed. And heroin, right? And heroin, yes, yeah. it was a nice crack trade. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, so your store, how long has your store been there? Five years. Uh-huh. Um, and it's uh, it's sort of focused on vintage, uh, the vintage comics, the history of comics. We're sort of known as the historians. Um, you'll find things in there that are things that you don't really see in Los Angeles. Like what? Give like a Spider-Man number one. Like an Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man. Like, um, geez, <laughs> we have, we're known for I don't know if our... these are the right guys for this spoiler episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird the way when I booked them, I'm like, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> these guys if, you come, if you come to the shop, you'll see um, handmade cherry wood fixtures and, um, you know, things that are twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 books. Wow. Um, what, is this, what does Spider-Man 1 go for? Well, we sold a Spider-Man one that was a 9.0, which was a really high grade book. That was a hundred grand. Oh um, wow! Shit. That helped our year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. The one the one we have in the case, the Spider-Man one we have in the case is like mid grade. It's signed by Stan Lee, and that's twenty grand. Um, and then there's an AF15. AF15s go about forty, fifty thousand. Wow. Yeah. That's Unless you have like a really high grade, you know, nine two, nine four, and then it's like you quarter of a million dollars. Really, but yeah. isn't it hard to get those? Because now, age, just age alone makes them degrade. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. the less there is of something, the more people want it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, those kind of things still do exist, though. Occasionally, yeah. we get something. We just walk in the front door, and it looks like it's been on a rack since 1945. Which yeah. is gorgeous. 
Wow. So how do you guys like? Let me ask you. How do you come up? Like, tell us a little bit about that. How you? What is that market like? What is that hmm. coming across? You know that um, rare of of comics. Well, it's changed a lot. I mean, it used to be uh, nobody knew what they had. So, you oh. know, there was no eBay, there was no, so, you know, now everybody suspects and they go online and they can get information and they think, you know, they find something in their garage and it's got to be worth something. Right. Um, but uh, there's still a whole generation of people that, I have older people that come in and they say, oh, I had this tucked away in the magazine that I put there in 1956. And, you know, still beautiful, you know, sort of pressed in there and perfect. Wow. Um, but the industry has changed a lot anyway. So you're talking about a, a billion-dollar industry. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we still get, you know, I flew to, to West Virginia to look at a collection um, that was, I don't know, there was like 100,000 books there. And a wow. reverend <laughs> who, who wanted to get rid of his comics because he, he started reading the news and he felt that, um, he no longer wanted these books in there because of the content that was happening. That was gay, gay superheroes and, you know, <laughs> you know, black and Hispanic superheroes. And it was just that kind of stuff well, he didn't want his house anymore. Well, now, you, when you look at, like, a, a collection of, like, 100,000 comics, yeah. like, is that something you could even buy or store? <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, it was I had to rent a truck. Yes. Um, <laughs> And you just didn't put him in the back of the Corolla? No. And considering who this guy was, I couldn't get away fast enough. Right. He wanted to show me his gun collection. And, oh. Yeah, and he also Nazi had feed, memorabilia. And feeding his pet wolf in the kitchen. Yes, he had a wolf in his kitchen named Lobo with a glass, a big glass wall. And it was just this rabid wolf that he had in there. And wow. his and his the water taps were holy water, like you know, blessed water and regular water. And the things that were bo- <laughs> the thing that bothered him was superheroes being gay. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> but he also said, you know, hey, I want to talk to you about, you know, you know, when you're Jewish, aren't you? I said, uh, yeah. He said, well, when you killed Jesus, and I said, I'm I'm relatively certain it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had this extraordinary conversation, and I called Scott in the bathroom and said. Okay, we're going to buy this thing, and I'm going to get out of here. Like, <laughs> like now, like right now. But, yeah, I drove it across the country and brought it back here and put it in our warehouse. Oh, wow. That's that, really cool. So what is, before we get into the film, what yeah. what was the first, if you can remember as a kid, the the comic that, what was the first that, first that got you into like, oh, this? I'm going to let you take that one, and then I'll. All right. Well, what got me into all of this was Adam West's Batman. Mm-hmm. I remember being a little kid, and my mom was plunking me in front of the TV, saying, you'll, you'll like this. Watch it. And Adam West Batman was just, you know, that's, that's what I like. That's what I wanted to be. That's, that taught me everything. The first comic was a Rexall, and it was a <laughs> Spidey Super Stories with Spidey and Iceman. Iceman was hanging off one of those sky buckets he'd have at Disneyland. <laughs> I remember seeing it like it's right in front of me. <laughs> and Spidey Super Stories was an offshoot of The, the Electric Company. company. Uh, yeah, so this was a, a Spidey comic just for just for preschool kids that was out in the, in the, in the mid seventies. Yeah. Oh wow. Morgan Freeman was on it. Easy Reader was it? <laughs> oh, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Spider Man was on it. Mm-hmm. And, yes. You know, be here next time when Spider Man right. says "Wow." And then <laughs> yeah. there was a big sort <laughs> yeah, of word, right. empty word. I remember that. Yeah. And what was yours? Um, the first comic that I remember reading was it's a world's finest book, and it was Batman and Superman. And it was a Nazi cover. They were they were trapped by the Nazis, and they were being starved. And they were both in chains. And Batman was like eating this big chicken leg, 
and the Nazis were around going, you know, Batman was like, I, I, I had to do it. I'm so hungry. And, and they finally broke him. And Superman oh. was there going, how could you? And it was like one of those, you know, alternate universe stories where... Where know, Batman he, would never eat the chicken. Exactly. <laughs> we, we all know that. It was yeah. really weird. It was weird yeah. enough for me to go, okay, this is... Yeah. I, I got to keep reading this. We, we should go all around now. Cause I yeah. Can, yeah, yeah. I, I can remember yeah. my first what comic. Was it? It, was, uh, it was an amazing Spider-Man. And my parents had bought me a subscription. I had never read comics before. And it was at a time, okay, we are old, that you would get them mailed to your house on a monthly basis. Mailed yes. flat. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was, uh, I don't remember the issue number, but I remember what it had on the cover. It was Spider-Man. It was the rocket racer. And then it was a guy in a giant wheel. The big yeah. wheel. The, the big, big wheel. wheel. Yep. It, and they were all together in this one episode. Yeah. And it was, yeah. they were all chasing each other. <laughs> and the big wheel was on the cover. And that was my first comic book and spider-man has always been my favorite superhero mm. so as every time a spider-man movie comes out i get excited uh with the exception of the last two andrew garfield ones which made me angry <laughs> but uh um so spider-man always always had like a special place in my heart f for me especially the sam raimi movies because they were based on those comics that i grew up on mm -hmm. and the old 60s animated show and all those in fact in this spider-man movie which i love is they go back to they use a version of that theme and the opening credits yeah I love uh, that. which it was yeah. so cool i'm like oh cool yeah, so and an orchestra still... doing it and an orchestra really cool it. Yeah. i was like that was awesome uh-huh yeah for me if uh, for me it was a detective comics it was batman um and then we started, uh, my older brother and I, would. we lived in Madison, Wisconsin, would take the bus to in downtown to go to Capital City Comics, which was, this is in the 70s, so this is pre-merchandise, so it was a just a <laughs> dark room with a bunch of nerds, yeah, yeah. and there, you just get the stuff, and then I remember there was this back room, and the only, like, we were too young, like, only, like, die-hard comic guys and we we're like can we and they're like it's like I, the porn room in the back of a movie well, was, yeah, yeah it was like the, the secret vault and they're like comic book champagne room. yeah exactly <laughs> it was, it was. but we were too young and they just didn't want us like getting our dirty little kid hands on and messing it up but i remember just this and you would just go there and look at comics and there was no t-shirts there was nothing nothing like you obviously a comic book shop couldn't survive that way probably anymore but yeah, yeah. that's what it was in the 70s and then i too started getting subscriptions to the hulk and power man and iron fist and i think my brother got a spider-man one so we would oh i would we'd trade and i'd read those so that was it then it was like comics every week mm. and that that went through college we would go to a comic book stop yeah and so all right so let's get into it let's talk yeah. about spider-man homecoming um like we were saying on the regular episode we both really enjoyed mm -hmm. this film it was definitely a different take um, it was uh, had a John Hughes feel and vibe to it. Um, so much so that they had him watching a... Yes. Well, there was a clip of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day mm -hmm. Off that they were yep. watching, which mm -hmm. was really cool. And um, the, the only thing I thought was missing a little bit, although that was in Civil War, was that kind of like that melancholy um, motivation that Spider-Man has from his uncle being killed and this responsibility that he feels he has. Like, I felt like it was... Um, but I, I'm mixed on it. I felt like it was kind of glossed over a little bit in this movie, even though I know because of Civil War in the background it was there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, something tragic happened to Uncle Ben. That story is still very much present. We just didn't see it again, which is fine. I didn't need to see the origin again. But I felt like this was a really interesting, um, fun uh, take, and I felt like it 
had much more to the spirit of the comics than the last two Sony disasters. So, Judd, Scott, what do you guys think of this? You want to go first or should I go? No, you go ahead. Go first. I'm, I'm with you. I love Spider-Man. Uh, those first two films, I think, are nearly perfect versions of how to adapt that kind of material. The Tobey to Maguire yes. ones. The, the, the yeah, ratings. agreed. Those are still my favorite. And this, I want to like this movie so badly. And it's a great movie. It's a fun movie. It's a, it's a fun action movie. It's not a very good Spider-Man movie. I don't like Spider-Man in this movie. He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> what is? I mean, what you were talking about with the origin, I agree. I don't want to see the origin again. But it needs to be grounded in that. And I didn't right. get that. I didn't get any sense of, of power or responsibility. All he wants is to be an Avenger. Sandwich shop gets blown up. Oh, well. Steel flashes car. Oh, well. It, it really breaks that kind of like moral boundary for what Spider-Man should, should be like. I don't get the feeling that, that this Spider-Man wants to do anything for any reason other than I want to be an Avenger. And they do, I mean, they try and play with that towards the end where you see him not taking the suit and not rushing right. back and being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Right. But Spider-Man to me is about one thing. It's about guilt. Why does Spider-Man do what he does? It's guilt. He knows he made a mistake and he's got to atone for it. And there's not even a, a hint of a mention of it here. And it was missing. The, the other thing- That's a good uh, point. I, yeah. I, didn't, that, I did not take that into consideration- um, when I watched this, I think part of it was I was judging, I was putting it up against the Andrew Garfield one so much that right. I was like, well, thank God, <laughs> it's not those. Yeah, it so, was, the bar was so low at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. um, well, all right, so, so Judd, what do you think? Well, um, I differ in my opinion. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what a good partnership is all about. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Um, uh, it's partly because every, I'd spend every day in the shop, um, you know, it's seven days a week of, of different types of comic books, different takes on superheroes. So there are so many different Spider-Man comics. Every new writer has a different take on it. Um, and there's, you know, there could be two, three different Spider-Man comics at the same time, but they have a different take on Peter Parker and Spider-Man or Miles Morales, Spider-Man. That's the new Spider-Man. That's the new Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's sort of ultimate Spider-Man. Now, what, what's his origin, just to kind of fill in our fans that don't necessarily know that there is an actual, another Spider-Man? Yeah, well, Miles Morales was in the ultimate universe. He's a, mm -hmm. a half, half black, half Hispanic uh, mm -hmm. uh, kid who's in school. Mm -hmm. He's not necessarily a kid that wants to be Spider-Man. Spider-Man exists in the ultimate universe. Peter Parker exists in the ultimate universe. Um, he just, he's really smart, and he just wants to finish school and do well. And he finds himself continually getting sort of wrapped up in, in every time something uh, bad happens, he ends up getting wrapped up in it. And, of course, ends up being in a situation where he also gets bitten. He also gets, you know, the, the powers of Spider-Man, but is reluctant, doesn't want to do it at all. So it's a different origin story. Totally different origin story mm -hmm. until in the Ultimate Universe, Peter Parker dies. Peter Parker is killed in the Ultimate Universe. And someone has to take up the mantle. And for a while, Miles Morales is like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to do it. I have my friends, I have school, and I want to go to college. And of course, the more bad things happen, the more he feels like he has a responsibility to, to do something. So so then in the film, when, when Donald Glover's character, Aaron Davis, mentions he has a nephew, Yes. That you you thought that was that's Miles Morales. Oh, it's oh Miles is that, Morales. it is. Yeah, yeah. and you were Aaron the, Davis. Is that one of the things you liked about the film? Absolutely. Right. Aaron Davis mm -hmm. is the Prowler. Like that's who his character is, the Prowler, and mm -hmm. his his nephew in the Ultimate Universe is Miles Morales. And really, he was just uh, Michael Keaton's henchman in the film. Like you're like, oh, that's that's Donald Glover, 
but he's he's no, got he's, kind he's, of a minor. He's looking to buy arms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah kind he's, of, he's kind of a, a prowler. Has always been a kind of like an outsider. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who sort of just likes to do his thing and steal his stuff mm-hmm. and get away with it. Um, but in the Ultimate Universe, he has he's more of a guy that walks the line. He's almost like, is he a hero? Is he a villain? Right. You know, you don't know. But he's the guy that gets his hand webbed to the car, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. got ice cream in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a great yeah, line. Yeah. But but I guess my point is this: in 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 comics, you have, and I think Marvel movies are doing a great job of this. Mm-hmm. Every movie has a different writer, director, vision, and they all have a different feel, a different vibe. In the comics, it's the same. You know, Brian Bendis writes Ultimate Spider-Man. But Dan Slott writes Amazing Spider-Man, and it's a completely different book right. with a different art style and everything like that. And I just sort of looked at this movie as a, hey, this is an altered version of what Spider-Man can be. Mm-hmm. And they took elements from all different sort of places. I went with my daughter. She's 15, and I see everything through her lens. Mm-hmm. And she absolutely loved it, um, partially because they skewed it younger. He's a sophomore. For sure. Right. I didn't have any sorts of sort of responsibility as a sophomore in high mm-hmm. school. I didn't. I didn't really think about that at all. This went more towards Ant Man. This movie. Yeah, I think as, so. As far as like uh, skewing a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have younger characters. You have a younger story. You have a much lower body count than some of the other <laughs> yeah, that's Marvel true. movies. That's true. Um, so I saw it with my kids too. They're twelve and nine, and they they both loved it. And um, one of the things too that I think also we were talking about in the previous episode is that uh, we just have such a love for the Sam Raimi movies because that's like we said with the Spider-Man we grow up with reading in the comics Mm -hmm. like one of the things that I thought was missing not just that responsibility part from this movie was that one of the hooks of Spider-Man when he was first created was that he was a superhero with real life problems. Mm-hmm. Like there was never enough money. There was always something problem. Like like the way that uh, Sam Raimi beautifully uh, presented him as like an empty seat at like mm-hmm. Mary Jane's um, mm-hmm. you know theatrical production. Um, Spider-Man always got in the way of his life and he could never reconcile them. Yeah. So uh, what, that was one of the things like I think kind of was touched on and hinted on in this movie, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that where the sacrifice had to be made. Look, I have to be Spider-Man, and I'm losing these things along the way, and I can't have them. Sometimes you have to be steady, even if it means losing the thing you love the most, that Aunt May thing that she says to him in Spider-Man 2. You know, that just cracks me emotionally, and I just I want a bit more of that emotional weight in this one for Spider-Man because to right. me it's so much of a morality tale. I thought that was going to happen either in the elevator scene where all his his classmates are in the right, elevator, right. or the boat, where mm-hmm. he's... I thought someone was going to die, and it was going to be that sort of element of, okay, this is, right. this is real. This is now, now, what did you guys think of, um, like, Iron Man being the mentor? Like, like as you know, sometimes the way that uh, Spider-Man is presented, like, Nick Fury has been a mentor, mm-hmm. like, in comics and in the animated series and things like that. I thought Iron Man was, like, a really good choice. Like, I thought... This actually worked. Like I liked seeing Iron Man as the mentor and him being supervised, and also because Iron Man, the way Robert Downey Jr. plays him, is such kind of a, a an egotistical tick. Like to play against you know this young, bright-eyed kid, I thought was really interesting. Uh, well, here's what I want to say, and I want um, going into all of the everyone's bringing up real excellent points here. Some of them I hadn't considered, but I think why the 
heavy morality plays that I do like, especially the first one, the, the Tobey Maguire one was really serious. I mean, in terms of, I mean, there was obviously had the fun Spider-Man quippy stuff, but that was a real, that, that, that pathos of I killed my, my uncle. Mm. Um, why I felt it didn't, it didn't bother me that it wasn't in this one was because, uh, well, first of all, Judd, like you, I, I feel like I like seeing, I just wanted to see a completely different take because that was the thing about the Garfield ones. They were just doing sort of, they were just rehashing the origin story. I don't need to see that. And, and they got all the DNA wrong. They, yeah. And yeah, muddying they got, up. They got but, all yeah. the DNA but wrong really of the character. Not yeah. really changing it. And so I loved how, the why I love the Marvel Universe is the Marvel Universe you know who else loves the Marvel Universe now? Oh. Sony. Sony. <laughs> yeah, they're big fans of it. Yeah, yeah, because they they basically made the movie for Sony. This yeah. was all uh, you know lawyers fighting it out in back rooms for many many months. They figured this out. Yeah, I, I also think we're going to see a change. They they're skewing everything younger, and certainly I don't think this movie was made for us. I think it was made for a younger crowd that really really loved it, and parents with their kids who love that their kids love it. Um, and, and what I think we'll see in the future is, you know, these younger characters taking over as, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. gets old and can't walk anymore. Right. Um, and the, and Spider-Man will change. That's Marvel and, phase eight. Right. Yes. Well, he he'll become change. like Stan Lee. He'll be the, he'll yeah. be the guy yelling out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> Making an appearance yeah, to everyone. Exactly. <laughs> but Spider-Man will start to change and learn and grow up. I think they were maybe thinking a bit further than just we have to do that right here in this movie. Right. I think it's it's a great point because I think the 2002, we were all 15 years younger. So right. it was skewed kind of for us that grew up in the 70s and 80s reading these comics, having this very specific vision and idea. And Watching I, the cartoon on UHF. Yeah, right. They, <laughs> and the idea, we all had a very specific identity with Spider-Man. Yeah, and, and the Sam Raimi films are very much college Peter Parker, right. which right. is what we grew up with and why I still think of, even though he, mm -hmm. he shouldn't logically be in college at this point. Right. <laughs> right. But to my mind, he's still, he's still at ESU. That's what yeah. Peter Parker is. Yeah. But like yeah. Tobey Maguire was something like 28 or 29 years old when he was in the first one. Yeah. Right. This kid uh, is 21 his actual age is 21, yeah, so he, he was younger. 19. And he was playing a 15-year-old. Right, playing a 15, right. but you know, he's he's a young-looking 21. And right. so when he first, he was 19 years old when they were shooting him in Civil War. Right. And that's the other thing that why I, I liked it and didn't, I was just sort of looking at the Maguire one. Is just, it's just, like you say, uh, just like, it's just a separate comic book series. It's a separate artist. It's a separate writer. Right. I'm just, it's a separate thing. Because they introduced, I loved how they introduced this kid in Civil War, and yeah. I, I the, the fighting and how he fought in Civil War, and was and was doing the the Spider-Man thing with you know the quips because I'm a punk kid saying ha ha you know, um, and they did. You're absolutely right. They skewed this for 15 year olds and and high school kids and younger and younger and the mm -hmm. demographic and having the whole. We talked about this in the regular episode. The thing I, in in the Sam Raimi ones, the high school kids were just a sort of two dimensional. Jock bully, right? Cute girl, and this was like these were fully fleshed out high school kids. The bully wasn't the, a physical bully; he was just a rich kid that was kind of a, a wealthy that, smug character. Yeah, that was jealous <laughs> yeah. that that Peter Parker was smarter than him and was trying to undermine him as right. best he could. Right, and it's such smart marketing too, because like when I go, it's four tickets: it's me, my wife, and two kids. Right, right. So it's the kind of thing where you know that that cracks that that family code of like well if we make a movie that the whole family can go see we're not getting one or two tickets we're guaranteed two to four 
Sure. Right. And now, by the way, I want to say, as much as I have my reservations, Tom Holland is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a great Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Now, let's talk about Michael Keaton for a moment, too. Oh. Uh, I thought, I, I'll tell you, it's watching him, I could not stop thinking of Birdman from those uh, from those scenes. Remember when he was, uh, it, like, in the Birdman costume? They must have, like, almost, like, shared art assets from that. It really, it really felt like, literally, the Vulture's costume was, like, taking, well, just get the, you know, we already have it in the computer. Let's just add, like, propellers or something. And, uh, but I thought Michael Keaton, he did not phone it in. I really no. felt like he was there. He was present. You, you felt for this guy as a villain. I thought he was a really good villain for uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I did not see. They the got comic. me. They, they got, got me, me with that. Yeah. That he yeah. was yeah. the dad of the girl. When right. he opens the yeah. door, I was, yeah. oh. Yeah, I didn't see it coming either. <laughs> it I thought that was cool. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That, that, you that know, was a fun reveal. It was a fun reveal on a lot of levels. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he had no idea. This He just keeps talking about his family, that she comes from an interracial <laughs> family, all of that stuff. I was like, this is awesome. And I also loved his character arc. They introduced it perfectly. He's just a, a contract guy working for the city, the beginning of the movie. Right. I got the cleanup contract. You know, I, there's these glowing rocks. I don't give a shit. The city <laughs> paid me to do this. And then I bought trucks for it. And then Tyne Daly walks in and says, You're done. Done. And he's like, What? And they realize it's Stark who's behind it. Yeah. So he's just like, All right. And then tries to go under the radar, but mm-hmm. hires morons who right. fuck it up. Like, I mean, yeah. I that whole that whole storyline was great. Mm-hmm. It was a very believable. It bad made guy. sense. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it works well with everything about the vulture character, who's always just been kind of like a, a thief first and foremost right. and a scrounger, but tied it in so well with the Marvel Studios universe, and in a way that goes back to the very to, to all the way back to Avengers, and it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and I, you, that's excellent too because now the Stinger, he's in jail, right? Right. And then that criminal comes up and says, "I, we, who's who's Spider Man?" And he's like, "I don't know." Yeah. He won't give up, and it's probably because he wants to protect his daughter. I don't know, but that was such. Or a Or great... it's because he wants to kill him himself. He wants to kill himself <laughs> yeah. exactly. So he's like, "Now was that an Easter egg?" The guy that came up to him, he had a scorpion. Yeah, that's, that, that's Mac Gargan. Gargan. That's the scorpion. Yeah. That's who I thought. I thought yeah. so. I thought that was a, a uh, yeah. He gets turned into the scorpion. I love that sure. we had yeah. three or four copies in the in the store. Spider Man Twenty, the first appearance of Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Pretty expensive book. We had three or four copies in the store. All gone now. Really? As soon as the movie came out, people were like, just Gargan. Hey, um, do you happen to have a copy of Spider-Man 20? That, I was going to ask that. Like, when a movie like this comes out, does it drive specific comic sales? Absolutely. For vintage, for definitely. Absolutely. First, first appearances, significant uh-huh. costume changes, significant yeah. historical events for that character, for sure. Mm-hmm. So who is who is... The Scorpion character, who anyone who doesn't know is listening. In in the comics, and this is the kind of thing that, that Marvel Studios is tricky about now because they're determined not to use J. Jonah Jameson, for good or bad. But for right now, so many of Spidey's villains are tied into Jameson. Right. Jameson hired a, this a low-rent detective named Matt Gargan to be a guinea pig to become a superhero villain to go attack Spider-Man, and that guy was a Scorpion. Right. Well, there, there's some uh, trivia, too, that we just pulled up, too. J.K. Simmons has expressed interest in returning to the role they of totally J.J. Jameson. Uh, however, once he was cast as Commissioner Gordon in Justice League, all discussions of this happening oh, ceased. <laughs> but, Goddamn uh, DC. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it makes you wonder, if you're really Hollywood, there's not 
two actors that could you know you can't you have to have the same person. J. J. I'd love to see him Simmons back. Is so good though. He's <laughs> so great. He's, he was the perfect J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. And it. the Justice League trailer looks awful. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say yeah. you know it's gonna be a little while before Peter Parker becomes a professional photographer in the city. Um, and by then, the Justice League films might have tanked. And then he <laughs> right. just come so on over. Yeah. And I've seen a trailer where his, yeah. his Commissioner Gordon is all mustache. Yeah. So they can yeah. find somebody yeah. else to play that role. <laughs> There's time. The yeah. They could CG mm-hmm. in a mustache on something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's traditionally been the Scorpion's backstory. Is he was he was Jameson's hired thug, who then, as a result, is stuck in that Scorpion suit, and then comes back every few years to attack J.O. Jameson out of revenge. Yeah, because oh, he can't get out of the suit, and but yeah. he has a tail. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which Spidey rips off every couple every couple of years, and he gets right. reattached. Right. <laughs> so then let's let's go into the ending of. All right, he's finally going to get brought into the Avengers. The Avengers, and this is the thing. And Peter Parker thinks it's another test, kind of. But I mean, I, I don't know. That's the thing that was sort and of. And he also feel. I, I think the intention of the film and the filmmakers was that. After this adventure that he has gone on now, he's kind of learned his place and where he's supposed to be in basically the MCU and his life, and that's to be a ground-level superhero mm. and not be an Avenger, which is something that he thought he wanted, and he realized it. So he um, he decides to kind of stay as the, quote, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I don't think, uh, and I think it was a great moment when he said, well, this was a test, right? And Robert Downey Jr., yeah, sure, yeah, it was a test. And no, there was a there was a whole, you know, room full of reporters. Right, and then he has to propose to Piper or, right. or Pepper. That was Pepper Potts, that was, yeah. That was going to be. <laughs> so Piper, I, I've been watching too much Orange is the New Black. Yeah. <laughs> so I really felt like um, it, it was an interesting choice and it made sense for the character. But we never really saw how he got there from the adventure to not wanting to be an Avenger because it's like, well, you could do a lot of good as an Avenger too. What made you want to kind of stay at the street? Now, I want to get your opinion on this. What made you? What do you think, character-wise, made him make that decision to stay as a street-level superhero and turn down the Avengers? Can I go first? No, you go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested. You guys are. Here. We you hadn't got, talked about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like really I was going to say, you guys are very polite. Always let <laughs> the other one go first. <laughs> well, see, that was one of the problems I had with the film is I didn't think they made that correlation strongly enough. I didn't okay. understand either why he would want to do it. We don't, we don't have a sacrifice point where he lost somebody or something mm. that's important to him that makes him realize he should be focusing on what matters, his neighborhood, his friends, his people. They kind of get to that by, you know, the, the, the danger came to his school through the through the close call with with the vulture but i didn't it didn't feel like it sold, sold that well to me i mm-hmm. didn't feel like they they made the point did you well i asked my daughter because i i asked her like i usually ask her lots of questions afterwards after man mm-hmm. of steel i had a lot of questions <laughs> <laughs> but, but i i we yeah we, like why did this movie get made <laughs> yeah right and please <laughs> tell me you didn't <laughs> like this are you okay yeah, yeah. yeah you're right but but this was uh, i asked her about that and her her response was um I love high school. High school is the greatest time. I love all my friends. He lost his girlfriend. You know, he'd, he'd have to give up. He'd have to have to give up his best friend. He would have to give up, you know, being with his aunt. She was like, I, I would do the same thing. She, her choice was about like, okay, he's giving up his childhood. It wasn't about... Um, oh, here's responsibility. or be, You have a very it, insightful daughter. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you can come to the store and see. It's the first first time she's working. 
Oh wow! This summer, really? she's working <laughs> in the shop. Her, her first job. Nice. Um, but but it's interesting seeing it from a, a young person's perspective who is in high school right now mm-hmm. and imagines having powers and imagines being a superhero. Sure, as but, we all did. But her choice and do would be to stay in school and have mm-hmm. her childhood before she gives it up. And I asked her if you had the choice, what would you what would you do? And she said. I would choose to, to be a kid first and do whatever I could, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to leave the planet and leave everything behind until I grew up a little bit. Wow, that's fantastic, right. and that w- that point of view explains it a lot in terms of the choice that they to made. us old men to us old right. men, <laughs> right? Who were just like ah, high school sucked. Like you should, <laughs> you know, like. yeah, that's great. She enjoyed high school, <laughs> and good for Jesus. her. Where's this high school? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a really it's a it's a really valuable thing. You go, wow, that is you know, maybe I don't know. I'm trying to think when I was I don't know. I, high school was. I liked playing high school football, but a lot of high school sucked. I yeah. really didn't like yeah. it at all. So um, I probably would have liked that. I'm out of here. I can be on a spaceship and fight <laughs> right. crime. I'm right. out. Right. But but it does make sense, though, because um, maybe they didn't need to, to explain it enough or, or, or more, which is that it was sort of already explained. It is important to him to be with his friends and to be in the science team and stuff like that. And yeah, and, and he was sort of saw, I, I guess he was like, I want to be in the Stark, Stark, Stark. I want to, and then kind of saw what it is like and went, yeah, maybe I should just, uh, you know, grab guys that are snatching bikes. Yeah, you know, yeah. like maybe this is a little too, holy shit. Like, look what happened. I went after this guy kind of when I was told I shouldn't and look what happened. Now my girlfriend, her she has to find out, you know, I pushed her dad and now right. he's going to jail. She's moving to Oregon. She doesn't like me. I don't know. I could I could see that of like because he is he isn't a, a rebel in the sense of he isn't the, you know, ever, I hate everyone. Teenager Peter Parker. He's the I want to be accepted. I right. want to be liked. Right. And so then, you know, the, and always from the origin is like he's the ostracized character, right. too. He's always the one that doesn't fit in in yeah. high school and he's bullied and, mm-hmm. and doesn't get uh, the girl. Right. Uh, yeah. Doesn't get the girl. And he's unable to because of his other life. And one of the most um, poignant uh, moments of the old, the Tobey Maguire one, the first one, was that when he pretty much stood up to Flash Thompson after he had his powers and actually hurt him. Yes. And his uncle had a talk with him. Did that make you feel like a big man? You know, just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should. Right. And, you know, we get into that whole power and responsibility thing. Like there's, there were those those moments that um, were missing from this film because it just went in a different direction. And um, so, but the thing is, I still enjoyed it. I still, I thought it was a, a fun movie. I really uh, had a great time at the movies. And, you know, these Marvel movies, they, they don't disappoint. The, the, the ending for me, when he walked away from becoming an Avenger, uh, part of me kind of went, oh. Afterwards, I thought about it. I went, well, this is the one um, Marvel character in the movie universe Who's just going to be fighting street crime? Well, That's actually kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like he isn't in the Marvel Cinematic. In, in, in the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, they're all these giant. I mean, I love it, but they're all these giant story. I mean, we see the trailer for for Thor Ragnarok. I mean, they're just right. these intergalactic, huge these giant stories. epic movies. So maybe 
it's cool to just have. Yeah, see, I I dig that. To me, Spidey's always been like that ground level character. Yes, right. But I like when you take him out of the element and put him in things that are way out of his out of his uh, his normal reach. He can succeed and he's great at it, but he just he doesn't like it. He's so right, nervous right. about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think to me that works fine. And it also it, it counterbalances too in a in a good way. Like you have the street level heroes on Netflix. You mm-hmm. have those um, uh, three series and then the one bad one. And then uh, you have, <laughs> but they're they're very adult. They're very mature. So this is Spider-Man. This movie is the first one that's street level, but also fun and light and more um, um, skews younger. Well, it's the boat scene to me. Like maybe the, the the to me when he turned down the Avenger thing at the end, I was like, well, maybe it's it's the kind of it took some time for the boat incident to sink in. No pun intended. But like <laughs> he he. He kind of screwed up in that fight, bit off more than he can chew. He got the boat split in half. He's trying to save it. Yay, Spider-Man's the hero. You have 98%. Oh, boat! Yeah, and then, you know, Iron work. Man has yeah. to come save him. So maybe right. he's sort of like... And fix the boat. And fix the boat. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. That that's. It was a good scene. It was interesting yeah. to me. And, mm-hmm. as, and as he left that scene... And I, again, I love the comedy that, oh, it wasn't a test. There was, he was going to make right. this announcement. <laughs> he was going to train him. Um that I the idea of like is the next one going to be just more like street level crime like there's just a a, a mob boss in New York that he's got to well, fight that could be cool it's going to happen um the timeline for the next Spider-Man movie is going to happen I believe after Avengers um Infinity War mm-hmm. yeah. so um May so, 2019 when it's supposed yeah, to be 2 years so, from now so we'll see like you know after the events of those movies where he'll be, and then where where they'll go from there. Well, no matter what, he's going to fight some kind of super-powered, you know, uh, villain insect. Yes, yes. Or animal, <laughs> you know, because there's some yeah. kind of you know totem that they have yep. to <laughs> stick with. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a vulture, a rhino, right. a scorpion, right. or an octopus. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, but but I I just have to say about the <clears throat> the choice about the Avengers. Again, Hannah, my daughter, was very insightful she said maybe he's just scared and is isn't that okay is he not a hero because he's scared and decides not to Mm -hmm. or is it we have to expect that he's going to do it and you have to push through the fear and she was like i don't know i'm a kid that would scare me i I, I might be scared Mm -hmm. and want to wait and, and, that, and that's a normal part of that character because he skews he's so young and that you know i would buy that he isn't an ex-soldier or you know what I mean? Any of the yeah. other ones, their right. background, right. they were yeah. adults. They were yeah. full-grown adults that went through yeah. a big adult thing yeah. and went, mm-hmm. oh, I got to suck it up now. He's a 15 yeah. and went, oh, I just thought it was a cool suit. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a yeah. guy, he's a, a great comic book writer, Alan Brennert. He's, he shops at our store. And he, um, he's one of the best Batman writers ever. And he's from the old, you know, Justice Society of America era. He was, you know, the, the old days, the 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. And how he put it was... He said, when I was a kid and we read Superman and Batman comics, we didn't see ourselves as Superman and Batman. We saw our dads as Superman and Batman. Like, that's my dad. Oh. And then sidekicks were, were put into the comics, and that was what we saw ourselves as. And eventually when we hit, like, the 70s, everything changed because everything in history changed. We had been through so much. All of us kids we were sort of jaded 
we didn't see every you know major superhero as our dad and mom we hated our dads and moms we we <laughs> saw them as us and so we wanted to see those those hard decisions we wanted to see drug stories mistakes we, mis- yeah. yes and that's what that was where marvel came in and gave you flawed heroes and heroes yes. with problems was you never was the Superman of the and Batman of the forties and fifties? They never had any problems. No, right. everybody at Marvel had problems, and we as readers we had problems, and we get that's why we identify with them and didn't see them as father figures anymore. Right now, as historians, um, it's often cited that Spider-Man was the first hero with everyday problems. Is that true from a historical perspective? I think what would you? I would say it's the first to make it a forefront. Yeah, because the Fantastic Four comes first, yes. and with the Fantastic Four, I mean, they would have problems paying their rent. Reed would put all his money in bad investments, and all of a sudden, they'd be coming to take away his equipment. Genius Reed would put in. Uh, Genius Reed is not so good at business. Yeah, yeah, terrible. There's terrible. a time he invested all that money in that movie studio that Submariner ran. Oh my god, <laughs> that right. happened by the way. This wow. sounds like a reality wow. TV show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I would say, and also with the with the Fantastic Four, you know, they didn't like each other. Right. There were there were some really ugly later personal stuff there even in the, from the very first. So I think they kind of get the the official tag of being the first to have real have a, like normal human problems. Yeah, but Spider Man was Spidey made it about that. It, it was yeah. Mm-hmm. It became those things that oh hey let's put in death, let's put in drugs, let's put in a sec, you know sex element. And you know and every mm-hmm. month was more about Spidey taking care of his sick aunt and making sure the rent was paid. That yes. was as much and maybe more of the story than fighting the Gibbon or the kangaroo that month. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, that's I think that's I love hearing the perspective of the the older Batman writer and because that was what everything was like that in the seventies. Like, I've always been a big fan of TV cop shows in the fifties and sixties. It was Dragnet. It was mm-hmm. Adam Twelve. The cops yeah. were perfect. And then you got in the seventies and you started to see corrupt cops on TV and Dirty Harry. Dirty right. Harry. Mm-hmm. You saw drug. But he deals. got results. He got results. Well, there was that. There was that <laughs> anthology uh, police story that came out in the seventies. That was all about. It, they did episodes where. Uh, you know, cops came back from Vietnam messed mm-hmm. up or Korea messed up. I mean, even Hawaii Five O. I mean, a lot of that stuff doesn't hold. It still looks cheesy from our eyes today. But back then, including the series right now, Hawaii Five O. Well, I don't count that at all. It doesn't, it doesn't count. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like the Star Wars prequels. It doesn't. It's not, it doesn't register. It doesn't really exist. Oh, uh, you just mm-hmm. made a correlation between the the Star Wars prequels. And Hawaii Five O. Yeah. This is a great show. This is a great show. That <laughs> just gave you a window into my childhood. Um, but no, it was like those. I remember uh, that was the only night of the week I could stay up late was to watch Hawaii Five O. My whole family could. And there was episodes where they dealt with. There was one guy that it wasn't called PTSD then, but there was a Vietnam vet uh, guy that went nuts and was sniped, was in a tower shooting at people, and. You know, there was an episode where a woman got raped. I remember my sister asked my dad, Dad, what's that? And he's like, um, let's wait till we get to the commercial <laughs> break. You know, and it was like, these were heavy themes. And and if you then watch the, the Dragnets, it was just the cops are good and they're going to come save the day. Yeah. And so I love like that. like Car 54, where are you? All that too? stuff. Adam yeah. 12, they were these nice crew cut guys that always did right. the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's it makes perfect sense that comics started to get dark and and... And Peter Parker was this flawed high school kid who didn't ask for this. You know, like he didn't come from a special planet. It just happened to him. Mm. Anyway, I went off on a there, tangent. Well, there's uh, there's so many um, different kind of like mythologies for Spider-Man in the comics right now. I mean, as you guys know, it's just it's gone out in many different directions. 
Uh, one of my favorite runs was uh, Straczynski. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, just when Peter Parker, he's older, he goes back and teaches at his college. And uh, he's actually the science teacher there. So, you know, you see it, him a little bit older and more wise, but he's still Spider-Man. He's still doing everything. They add a mystic element to mm-hmm. it where it's, you know, there's a reason he was bit by the spider. And then he, he has these mystic villains coming after him. Right. And um, there is an amazing run um, that, uh, like, was brought a tear to my eye where he starts to travel backward and forward in time. And he can do you remember you know which one I'm talking yeah, about? I do. <laughs> I do. And he can change him getting bitten by a radioactive spider. And he realizes he can erase all the bad things that have happened oh. to him. And it's a decision he has to make. But if he does that, then all the people he saved also don't get saved. So it's like a heart wrenching decision that he makes and it goes you know, f- and Doctor Strange is with him on this journey and he, he goes, you know, backwards and forwards in time to the point where it's like his whole life and whole re- sense of being comes into focus, and it's such an amazing run. Yeah, it was a Christmas Carol type. Yeah, it like, was storyline. Mm-hmm. And the Straczynski storyline was, again, totems. He just went, "I'm going to do something that's never been done before," which was surprising to me. To have Spider-Man flying through the city and to come around the corner, and there's this old guy in a suit with his shoes off, and he's stuck to the side of the building, right? And says, "Hey, Peter, what you thought you were the only one." Right. And, Mm -hmm. oh, why, okay, so the spider chose him. It wasn't, so he just basically told this different, a different story, a different way of looking at it. Of course, by the end of it, they basically just went to a different storyline and erased everything that came before. (laughs) I I love that story, like, too, but I do feel obligated to mention that at one point in that story, Peter Parker becomes a giant spider beast and bites a dude's head off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. There's there's a lot about that one I love, but it's not not bump-free. Yeah, and then that, that's when the retcon really begins, where all of a sudden he's not married anymore, and there's a lot of things But also, Straczynski was very good about taking that kind of stuff, but keeping the the kind of everyday element of Spider-Man alive in it. You yeah. mentioned having him teach in Midtown High again, which was yes. great. Mm-hmm. And then you would see him like sitting on top of a, of a building, eating a hot dog with Loki. After a fight with Doctor Strange, <laughs> right. you know, and they, it was it was still kind of grounded, even with all this crazy mystical stuff they were doing. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, before we wrap up here, let's kind of pick a couple elements from this movie that you are hoping to or have information about that are going to be in uh, Homecoming two or any down the road, like the, in, the MJ. Like, what do you want to see more? of? What do you want to see more of? Or can what? I t- can I tell you what I want to see less of? What? Yeah, what? Sure. I want less Ned. <laughs> there was a lot of Ned in this movie. <laughs> I'm not saying no Ned, but just maybe 30% less Ned. Why did he like to... He was just there a lot. I mean, I... I he he wanted to be the guy in the chair. Oh, the guy in the chair, I know. <laughs> but does everyone need a guy in a chair? But yeah, I just I just felt like they gave him a lot of scenes. That's mm-hmm. That character is Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. It's, That's it's, Genki, the, yeah. the, his, his best friend in the Ultimate Spider-Man book, Miles Morales' best friend, knows he's Spider-Man. And they they live together like they're they're rooming oh. together. Mm-hmm. So it's he's a constant character in the Ultimate Spider-Man. Did they series. build the Death Star together at a Lego? <laughs> Not in the comics, but I <laughs> I think they should have. Yeah, pretty cool. I'm just saying I thought it was Spider-Man Ned coming after a while, but that's just that's just me. <laughs> Ned coming. Also, my other grumpy old man point: I could use less of the Robo suit. I I mean I I like having some tricks to it. I don't like having an inner voice. 
Hmm. Because to me, that make, that gives Spider-Man less agency if there's always somebody in his ear so it's telling Jarvis. him the right thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is very, minute, very Isn't Iron the Man voice it. Jennifer Connelly? Jennifer Connelly. Yes, yeah, Jennifer yeah. Connelly. I can't, yeah. Well, I, you know what? I don't even need to see her to be in love with her. So <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with her. I'm really okay with her. And she's married to Paul Bettany, who is uh, voiced the, the Iron Man suit computer Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what did you guys think of the MJ reveal? I loved that. And I was like, oh. I mean, obviously, it's like, oh, this girl's in love with him. She just happens to be everywhere she is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I love that right. she was doing the high school. They really depicted, as I said, they fleshed out high school kids way more than that's than has right. been done in the past. Right. She was that like, oh, it's also dumb when she's just an insecure kid that just is afraid to say mm-hmm. she likes stuff or whatever. Yeah. And so that why are you sitting here? Because why I don't have any friends. I don't have any. I don't have any <laughs> friends, and I like I like drawing people's angst. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny to me. So the reveal that she was MJ, I was like, oh, yeah, fantastic. We'll see this down the road. What a cool mm-hmm. again. Since they decided to just go, we're gonna make it. We got to make it different. And I I I like that. Did so, you guys not like it or like it or I liked it. See, I, I, I didn't like it because I liked her so much. I didn't need her to be MJ. Mm. Just let her be mm. her own character. She was great. I, I loved every scene she was in. I want to see more of her. But making her MJ just felt it felt like unnecessary fan service. Well, yeah. isn't isn't Betty Brant also one of uh, Spider Man's girlfriends? Like the, uh, the yeah, Betty the, Brant historically was was the, J- Jameson's secretary. Yeah, okay. Betty, but that was that was Elizabeth Banks in the yeah. Raimi movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the thing about MJ is, you know, my daughter called her emo MJ. So <laughs> I, I was like, well, you know, she's supposed to be like tall and red hair and, you know, gorgeous mm-hmm. model. And she was like, well, she's not a senior yet. Everybody grows up and the emo girls, the guys don't like them when you start high school, but in senior year, they become really interesting. If there's anything I would it, say to my nephews that are all like 14 years old, I'd say be nice to the nerd girl. Yeah. Because <laughs> when she gets in her 20s, she's going to be fantastic. Well, look what happened to us. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> along the way, we got beat up. Somehow along the way, we became the cool guys. Yeah. We got the attractive woman. People thought, I mean, really, seriously, we they, everybody caught up. Right. Well, they cast Zendaya in it, so she's like a beautiful actress. And also, it was it was kind of stunt casting because she's got this huge following from all the Disney shows that she's been on. And and she was great. She was. She was really good for the 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 small amount of of screen time she had. She makes the most every second. And then when she's on a scene, you can't take your eyes off her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, they they did a good job of of making her look sort of quirky, cute, yeah. awkward, right, exactly. not stunning, beautiful, but just sort of like... Adorkable. Adorkable. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, closing thoughts on Spider-Man? I think it's a great start to something new that they can build on. Which they have to. They have to skew young. Um, and I think if you go in without the expectation of the Sam Raimi movies and the, the that was so grounded in what the comics were, mm-hmm. if anything, I think it will get a lot of people reading the comics that mm. wouldn't normally read them that might come in looking for a little bit more of that fun aspect, that sort of poppy Ferris Bueller type feel right. to it. Um, for me, and where's exciting. a good shop in the valley they could come by and do ah, that? Yeah. <laughs> Last Off yeah, Comics. Where, where could they do that? Blast That's such comics. a great question. And you can find more information on blastoffcomics.com. There Perfect. You go. We have new content on our site almost every day every day um, mm-hmm. we have uh, columnists guest columnists comic book writers film screenwriters who come on and write we have a different theme every single month and then they come on and write about that theme 
um, and and obviously a heck of a lot of extraordinary uh, gold and silver, Bronze Age. Now, let's product. say I don't live anywhere near North Hollywood. Could I shop online at your store? Absolutely. Yeah, there we have a a really great uh, shop section of our our um, website, and expect history. It's not come on here and buy the latest trade paperback that just came out. Right. It's not come on to the site and, you know, get the new Avengers comic that just came out last week. Anybody can get that anywhere. You come on to our site, you get, I think I want an Avengers comic from 1972. And certainly you can get one that's really expensive, but what we have on the site is, I just want one for 15 bucks. And mm-hmm. I just want to read it. I just want to get it. That's what you, you get on the site. And it's kind of what the store is about, and um, and certainly the podcast is about our pod, the Blast Off podcast. It's history. We have yeah. The, the the site is also the home of Comics One Hundred and One, which is a column I've been writing about the history of comics for about fifteen years now. Mm-hmm. I started over at Kevin Smith's site over at Movie Poop Shoot, mm-hmm. and then I did it my own at my own site for years, and now I brought it over to Blast Off. So every week there is a historical piece for me about comics, and we transferred that over to the podcast. Oh, that's right. great. So that's it's awesome. Pod- so it's a wealth of knowledge yeah. you guys can. Mm-hmm. I also do a, a segment called Retails, and that is because um, this is my third shop and, you know, 15, 16 years of ownership. Um, and what I do is I, I, I do stories that are human interest stories, the stories that I have heard and seen from the people in my shop over the years, um, sort of their stories. Um, and uh, it's just been a really cool, cathartic experience of telling the stories of the people who shop in my store. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Well, that's, that's a great. unique a comic. There's, there's. A, that's how you have to survive with a comic book store now. You have to have a, a different edge. Yeah, sure. well, they, and the, you, and the you have to have your store. own thing, just like yeah. the uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? A comic book shop is probably one of the more unique stores you can go into. Mm-hmm. And they they all have a similarity to them, obviously for for the obvious. But then they also each have their own unique vibe. When I travel, I travel a lot. I'm always like, and I see a couple. I want to go in there because I want to just see what this store is. Have a different vibe. vibe. Mm-hmm. How does that DNA adapt to that environment? Yeah, right. I yeah. really want to see it. And like, they're, wonder they're, what their rent is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. really that's why there's such a unique thing, and because nobody well. For the most part, what it seems to me, the majority of comic book, you have to love. You're not just like, well, do I do I sell uh, iPhones or do I sell? You know, like you, most people are like, I want to own a comic book shop because I love this medium and yeah. I have a passion for it. And it's and it, I've had it since I was six or whatever. Right. And that's the thing that I want to I want to feel that lifelong passion on these walls when I go into a comic book store because it's so different than well, just... Well, you need to come to ours because yeah. <laughs> you're looking at our shop is basically looking at our brains. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but also, we're, we go on the, on the uh, idea, the philosophy that, yes, I love the product. I've mm-hmm. been in love with it since I was eight years old. I've been working in stores since I was 12, you know, in, in New York, here in California, in London for five years, working in stores. I love the product. But really, I do it because I love the people. Mm. It's my community. It's my tribe. I love people that, that read comics. And I could replace the comics any, any day of the week. But it's a, it's, the comic store is, has always been the community place that's safe for people like us 
who have a common vocabulary mm-hmm. that we can't find just anywhere. And do you record the podcast at the store? Sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. We, we um, you know, we're open seven days a week, so sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> um, but, like, I just had an interview with Thundercat, the musician Thundercat. Mm-hmm. And, and we had, to, I couldn't get the studio in time, and we had to do it in the store. So we, we did it at, like, eight or nine in the morning before, you know, it was still quiet in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he was at, uh, 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 what's it called, the, <clears throat> the music festival, uh, Coachella. Coachella. He was on the main stage at Coachella, and he was, you know, had written something for Michael McDonald, and they were doing this. And he came all the way, did the interview in the store, in the comic store, and then a car showed up, and he got in the car and went back to Coachella to do his next. Oh, that's pretty impressive. It was super cool. And then, like last month, we went up, we went down to San Diego to the IDW offices to interview Chris Ryle, their their chief creative officer. Yeah. So we basically do the podcast wherever we need to. Well, I just yeah. got back from right. France. I yeah. was in Paris so. <clears throat> to interview uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Nice. <clears throat> so that was a very interesting journey. Will we see you guys at Comic-Con next week? I'll be there. I believe you'll be manning the store. I Yeah, I actually make more money in the store during Comic-Con than I going to the to the show itself. <laughs> nice. I'll be there I'll be there at AEW's booth signing my new Star Trek book, which you can get at Blastoff, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Ah. Uh, my new Star Trek series is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Mirror Broken. It's the Mirror Universe versions of Picard and Riker and Data, which had never been told before. Oh, so issues cool. one and two of that are out right now. So I'll be there signing that at, at Comic-Con. Oh, and my girlfriend's a, a huge, She's yeah. a next-gen fan. She okay. would love that. Now, <laughs> isn't there a, a next-gen Aliens crossover? <laughs> well, Okay, I'm going to lean back for a second. <laughs> I got this book called Start Next Generation Mirror Broken. That's fantastic, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me about that again in a year. <laughs> yeah. Sounds so. good. All we'll right. see you guys yeah, down at Comic Con. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> no, you did. You heard nothing here first. <laughs> it's just between us. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Uh, well, that's our show, you guys. Thank you yeah, so much. This was, was fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having fun. us. Really um, fun. We're definitely going to come by the store for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Blastoffcomics.com is the site. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Also, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're everywhere. Okay. Yeah. All right. Scott Tipton, Judd Myers. Thank you for being on uh, Spider Man Spoiler Ep. Number fifty-eight. This isn't the fifty-eight Spider-Man spoiler up, but always it's deceiving. It feels that way. Our, we don't. We our titles are always a little messy. Yes, <laughs> always a little messy. And they will continue to Good. do so. Thank God. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody here at uh, ATC, Aaron Brungard for uh, running the knobs, and, and and thanks to the Patreon subscribers. Yes. We're doing these spoiler ups because you guys got us to that first goal. Yep. So we're doing two spoiler ups a month. So it'll be this one, and then the next one we'll do will be uh, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Uh, so listen to that and of course patreon.com slash comedy film nerds and like us and subscribe to us on all the other various places and if you're new uh, if you just welcome. stumbled if you're welcome and the, the regular episode we do is is every week and it goes over the movies that just came out so that's all on iTunes same place wherever you got this that you're listening yes. to you can, get, you can get the regular ones <laughs> it'll be in the same place in the same place <laughs> comedy film nerds my name is Graham Elwood and I'm Chris Mancini and as always remember Han shot first. Ask me again in a year.